As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Walking around Doha, one thing is pretty clear. People appear to have come to this World Cup not for Cristiano Ronaldo, not for Kylian Mbappe, not even for their own country. They're here for Lionel Messi. On this episode, Abby Patterson has a special report on the cult of Messi in Qatar. This is The Athletic Football Podcast. Pelota para Leo. Messi al arco. Everywhere you go here in Qatar, you're likely to run into someone somewhere wearing a blue and white striped shirt with Messi and the number 10 emblazoned on the back of it. If you were playing a drinking game every time you saw one, you'd be dead on day one. In a piece for The Athletic on my experience at the FIFA Fan Festival, I read about the area effectively being like a cult with the Argentinian as its god. And he is the deity here. There's no question of that. But why Messi? And why not Cristiano? Is it because Barcelona had a bigger impact than Real Madrid? Is it down to his ties with Saudi Arabia? Or is it simply that Messi is actually the GOAT, the greatest of all time? To drill down into the following behind the man himself, I'm going to be talking with fans, commentators and journalists from all around the world to get a view on the phenomenon that is Lionel Messi. They give thanks that he is one of them. Said that prayer of thanks. How often have we seen those bright, wide eyes? How often have we seen in the faces of opponents the dismay that he should come and scar them? It is like seeing a rock star. Fabuloso. Fabuloso. Mystical. Immenso. I've come to outside the Conmebol stand here in Qatar. It's the centre of town, between the souk and the main metro station. It's flanked by giant replicas of the Copa America and Copa Libertadores trophies. Inside, there are statues of Maradona and Pele. And central to the whole stand is the Tree of Dreams, covered in football boots, trophies and faux signatures of South American stars, both past and present. And this seems like a pretty good place to start, to get a fan's idea at the World Cup about Messi and why he is so revered here. I love Messi. Honestly, he's my idol. 
in like the male part. My female idol is Alexia Puteas. She plays in Barca. What I like about Messi is his passion. And honestly, I feel like in every game, he always tries his hardest and really pushes and tries his best. And yeah, that's what I like about him. It's not something that you can put in words. It's something that when, when you see Messi, it's, it's magic. You, you, you don't know exactly what he will do. It's, it's, it's something that you don't expect. Messi will be remembered forever. Uh, his, his way of, I think that he changed the way that we, we see the football. He make the impossible, uh, nobody can do it. He from the sky, not from the uh, earth. Before I have the Maradona, he's the best. He never I see which one he do it, another player do it. But Messi, after he coming, he do double Maradona. He's one of the most amazing footballers I've, I've ever seen in my life. He's carried Argentina to this stage. As you can see, I'm a Manchester United fan. I like Ronaldo. But I watched a documentary on Messi, and there are two different types of personalities. Everyone always says, who is the greatest of all time? Messi wins this one, he will be. Well, as you heard there, fans are very much still focused on the Messi versus Maradona debate. And we will get back to that later on in the podcast. But Messi's 1,000th appearance happened here in Qatar as Argentina took on Australia in the round of 16. And as Messi tends to do, he marked it with a goal. And it was a pretty special one too. Although, as Oli Kay told the Athletic Football Podcast, that kind of goal is just par for the course when you're Lionel Messi. The quality of that particular goal would probably be in most players' top 10 goals <laughs> in their career, <laughs> yeah. considering the moment as well as the quality of the goal. I doubt that even makes Messi's top 100. It might not even make his top 200 in terms of the technique. And on the way back from that match, as happens, in fact, in all of the matches here, the victors are welcomed by quite the party when they get back to their hotel. Here's Messi leading through his team back at base. So how do we get here? How is Lionel Messi having such a multicultural impact on this World Cup? To talk about it more, I went and sat down with the man covering Argentina for The Athletic, James Horncastle. I think Argentina fans are very aware that this is the last they will see of him. It's not confirmed that he would retire after the World Cup. But it does feel very special to be there at every game, which could be his last uh, for his country. And there is this kind of sense of, of gratitude watching him play. There's a sense of he owes nothing to anybody. As much as people project this pressure, and I'm sure he has this ambition himself to win the World Cup, there, there is this sense that um, we're witnessing something that is in its twilight and um, yeah we're all kind of very as football fans just very grateful for some of the moments he's provided. One thing that may surprise you is that it's not just the fans who adore and bow down before Messi. The press box, yeah the press box, is pretty much a congregation at the shrine of the number 10. The Athletics Felipe Cardenas tells me his experience. It's been something that I'll never forget to be that close to the circus that is this Argentina national team. It's an emotional roller coaster anytime you're around them. You know, not to bring this back to the Australia game all the time, but it just it felt like such a moment. But the first question to Messi um, in the press conference was, um, 
Lionel, I don't have a question. I just want to hear your voice. Um, and, and he kind of smiled and then just kind of gave an answer. But that's the kind of, that's the kind of reverence that, um, that he is attracting, he's generating. And listen, we can all get caught up in it. It's Lionel Messi. And I'll never forget to see him up close to like smell his cologne. Like that's how close we were to Leo Messi. It's actually nice to nice to be present for it. Come today to open training, which is where journalists get to visit the Argentina camp for 15 minutes, get to watch the players warming up. Effectively, that is all they're doing, and it's quite an experience. You're on the sideline, tons of cameras trying to work out any little details, any glimpses, glimmers that they can get from what is happening on the pitch, what they might see ahead of their next match, which in this case is against the Netherlands. And everyone comes out. I'm, I, I kind of expected that when Messi came out that there might be a little ripple of applause or something to, to signify his arrival. Uh, there wasn't. There wasn't anything like that, actually. Uh, and in fact, it took me a little while to locate the great man himself. But he was, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, at the furthest point away from where the journalists were just kicking the ball around, wearing a very uh, fluorescent yellow vest. All the other players are either in yellow vests or not, but they've got their light blue training tank tops on, dark blue shorts. And, I mean, the thing that makes Messi spotable is his passing i know i've shocked you there with that thought but uh, that is that is how we were able to locate him even though he's very far away and they're all wearing the same attire and he just caresses the ball around there's nothing more than that it's very understated and that uh, that has in a way surprised me but whilst i'm here i better take the opportunity to speak to some people find out what they think about Lionel messi my name is Fernando Cis. I'm from D-Sports and D-Sports Radio. How do you describe Lionel Messi? For us, he's the best player of the world in the last 10 years. Um, he's our flag, uh, he is our captain, and now he's um, really, really, really the, the best player of this team, of this new team. How has his image changed? over the last 10 years has he become even bigger as a player well um, when he when he won the the, the the Copa America he changed really changed his image in Argentina because he changed um, he he won a, a really important uh, title for us or for the history uh, Argentina the last uh, Copa America for Argentina was in 1993 and it's really important to to get another one and he he guide these 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 players to this title in the Maracana against Brazil and that was really really fantastic for us i speak with sofia from espn and yet again it's the copa america that comes up after uh, the copa america uh, he his personality changed a lot because he found a team uh, and a group of people that made him wanted to to try again uh, of a World Cup um, and also the people's opinion and all that uh, comments about him that changed his his mind I think so uh, and also about his family I'm, I think that his family is very uh, it's very important in his career and in his life so um, I think that 
uh, after Copa America that has changed a lot. So if you're not across your South American intercontinental competition, Argentina's success in 2021's Copa America was huge. And it was the moment where opinion on Lionel Messi went from this. There's this uh, perception of Messi as being kind of sphinx-like, inscrutable. Um, you don't know what his emotions are. To this. He was the one giving the speech. He was the one motivating people. It wasn't just Messi as the technical leader who leads by example on the pitch by winning games. It was Messi as a, a kind of orthodox leader in terms of you know being the guy that um, uh, would very much talk to players, be there for players. Throughout the World Cup, one of the things that's really surprised me is that he has walked through the mix zone and spoken to media who he's not obliged to speak to after every game. Yeah, he has to speak to the rights holders. He doesn't have to speak to anyone who's not paying FIFA for access. Um, and yet he's stopped. And incredibly, when I speak with people from a South American or a Latin persuasion, there is the same word that comes up time and again. And it's this idea that Lionel Messi is humble, that there's this humility around a man who was deified. And that really, really stuns me. But Lionel Messi is more than a footballer. And whilst I can get that view here in Qatar, I'm interested in how he's viewed back in his home country. Out there in Buenos Aires for The Athletic is Sam Lee, who has sent me this audio postcard. So being in Buenos Aires, as you can imagine, a lot of the conversations are just about the World Cup and they just love him so much. Um, I had a conversation with a girl after the game and I was like, what does Messi mean to you in Argentina? She was like, I swear, if you, if you ask me, I'm going to cry. And then she like, immediately started choking up. And like, she, she said a few words about how much she loves him. And then she just couldn't say anymore. Um, I'd say that's maybe an exaggerated example, but it's probably the closest and best way to sum it up. We're very fortunate here at The Athletic to be able to call on so many different journalists with so many different life experiences from around the world. One such being Felipe Cardenas. He's part of our American team. He calls it soccer. And I wanted to get a wider South American view on Lionel Messi. Most countries in South America are, won't really debate whether he's the best player in the world. Maybe slight debates about whether he's the best player of all time. That, that'll always exist. But anyone in South America, that, that's the thing. Like Colombia, Peru, you know, Brazil, Uruguay, like they all have to face Messi during qualifiers. So like we know him very well. And we know that he's very difficult to to get past. He's the top player on the continent, has been, him and Neymar have been one and two for so long. So I think he's beloved, you know, he's not a player that, that really rubs people the wrong way. Before the World Cup kicked off, much of this discussion in the build-up was if this tournament is going to be the final hurrahs for Messi and Ronaldo, their probable last dances. On an episode of the Athletic Football Podcast, Karl Anka was asked which of those two players cast a greater shadow over their national teams. I had a conversation with John and Mikel, he said, you can't you can't model your game on Messi. He goes, Messi is an alien. He's different. He's not normal. There's been conversation from members of the Argentinian fringe players about how they feel really pressurised because they want to give it to Messi. They want to be the player to give him the trophy he needs to get this Maradona monkey off his back, so to speak. He's a offside Gonzalo Higuain goal away from this not being a conversation. As Carl mentioned there, it's Diego Maradona who is largely deemed the better of the two Argentinians. He did win the World Cup, after all, almost single-handedly. And Maradona gives Argentina the lead 
the England players protesting to the referee was it a use of the hand that England are complaining about. Just listen to this fan after Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in the opening game here at the Qatar World Cup. Messi is not Maradona and that generation is very different because they didn't play for their country, they play for Messi. It's a huge difference. We play for our flag. Yes, we deserve it. So what is it that means Messi is constantly overshadowed by his compatriot? Maradona for me because I'm, I'm 44 and I think that is that's uh, gener um, generation by generation. The the older ones uh, who saw Maradona at, fi at the fields, uh, it's difficult to to have uh, another one like him. But the new ones, uh, the 20s, the 30s, I think that all of them uh, prefers Messi. But we need to to be grateful to have both. Uh, in Argentina team. First of all, a lot of what we see in Messi, Maradona did it first, and he had a lot of personality, tons of character. Like, he really would take the, the team on his back and, and say that he wanted to do. He was a true leader, a big time captain for a massive footballing country, and he won that World Cup on a team that was not spectacular. So that's the one thing that I think people forget. That was not a spectacular team in 1986 for, for Argentina. They were unsung. They were not beloved like this team is that Leo Messi is on. That was in, in 86, no one believed in that team. And that was something that really motivated Diego Maradona. And that's why I think to this day, he's just a cultural icon. I think in Argentina, they'll say that Messi is perhaps the best player, uh, but no one will ever top Diego Maradona in Argentina. I just don't think so. However, that opinion that Maradona is better it's starting to change. I think when you look at Maradona's highlights, it was extraordinary, particularly in World Cups. When you read kind of informed opinions at the time, I think Maradona was probably quite inconsistent from season to season. I think he had periods, probably year-long periods or more, where he wasn't really at it. And I don't think you can really say that at all with Messi. So the voice you just heard there is Michael Cox. He's the Athletics Tactics writer. And I've mentioned it very much in passing at the top. And in Europe, we'll very much talk about Messi versus Ronaldo. But the general feeling among football purists is that it's Lionel Messi who is the better one of the two. So I decide to ask Michael why, in his eyes, it's the Argentinian who is deemed the superior player. I think the incredible thing about Messi is there's basically three things you can do when you get the ball. You can dribble with it, you can pass to a teammate, or you can shoot for goal. And I think Messi's not just world-class at all three. But at times he's been the best in the world at all three. And I, I think you can probably go back in football history and you won't find anyone else who has that status. You tend to get great dribblers who then assist or great goal scorers who can do a little bit more. But to be the best in the world at all three, I think is really quite unique. Can you describe his technique? What is it that particularly stands out about him? I remember hearing a goalkeeper talking about him and saying that he takes really short strides. So it's quite difficult for goalkeepers to set themselves because they don't quite know when he's going to pull the trigger. Um, the first time I saw him live was in 2011 in a game against Getafe, fairly low-key 2-1 home victory at the Nou Camp. And the thing that amazed me about him was how quickly he could stop. So he could be running at full tilt and then just suddenly freeze. And I think that ability to, to stop and also his tendency to stand still I think is maybe underrated. He finds space in 
in clever ways by not moving, often towards the edge of the area. If any, everyone else is going in towards the goal, he'll hang back and just find a pocket of space to finish. We saw that kind of with the goal he scored against Australia in the second round of this World Cup, where he shouldn't have been able to find space because everyone knows who's the danger. And yet there's something about his ability to sense space on the edge of the box that I think is, is quite special. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, you possibly thought it was a little bit weird that I mentioned Saudi Arabia as a reason for Messi being so loved here in Qatar. But, controversially, Messi is helping to promote the kingdom. James Horncastle explains exactly how that's happening. Discover another side of yourself in Arabia. It was quite jarring to come back from the Argentina-Saudi Arabia game, turn on the TV, and the first advert was a Visit Saudi ad, which people are entitled to do, but it was starring Messi, um, or looked like a CGI deepfake of Messi. Um, it just felt very awkward. And listen, I'm so glad that James said that because honestly, I was having the exact same thoughts when watching this advert. Just go onto the Visit Saudi Arabia website and go to the Messi tab. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's weird. And on this subject, one of our most read pieces on The Athletic is entitled He Sold Himself to the Devil, Messi, 2030, and a Very Uncomfortable Deal with Saudi Arabia. Adam Crafton is the author of it, and he tells me more about the relationship between these two sides. So Lionel Messi's deal with Saudi Arabia came about in May this year, um, when you know probably the greatest, most famous footballer on the planet signed this very, very lucrative agreement to promote the state of Saudi Arabia. Um, it's a really interesting deal. 
because it's all tied around this idea that Saudi Arabia has of this this national objective, um, which they call Vision 2030. And if you look at any kind of government websites, government literature, it describes Vision 2030 as a unique transformative economic and social reform blueprint that is opening Saudi Arabia up to the world. Now, advocates of Saudi Arabia would say that it's all about closer economic uh, ties with the West, closer cultural ties with the West. Critics um, of Saudi Arabia would say that this is all about cleansing an image of Saudi Arabia that has been tarnished by the murder of the uh, Washington Post journalist and the dissident Jamal Khashoggi and also uh, a litany of human rights abuses um, around the rights of women for example in Saudi Arabia and also the rights of LGBTQ people in Saudi Arabia. Now this is a particularly interesting deal um, in the context of a World Cup and, and that's because there's likely to be and, and these are still to be formally announced but there's likely to be two leading bids for the 2030 World Cup. Now, one of these bids is likely to be a a kind of a pan-South American bid, which will be Argentina, Uruguay, Chile uh, and Paraguay joining together to co-host a World Cup. Obviously, you have an expanded tournament now, so it needs to be uh, a, a broader coalition. You also have this coalition of Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Greece that's working on a joint bid. So you have a very peculiar situation where although Messi is not specifically as yet, um, and there's no sign uh, of anything to suggest it at this point, that Messi would be an official ambassador for the Saudi Arabian bid in 2030. But what we do know is Messi is promoting tourism in Saudi Arabia, all of which is linked to the Vision 2030 of Saudi Arabia um, at the same time. And in my time speaking with the people you've heard on this podcast, I keep asking them about this relationship between Messi and Saudi Arabia, but no one's quite getting the gist of my questioning. Sophia, however, does give me this opinion. I think that Messi is a big name around all the world, and uh, we are seeing it now with with Bangladesh and all people around the world, and uh, also people here in in Qatar, uh, they want Messi to win. Uh, They are very supportive in that way. so I think that there's a marketing thing. I don't know uh, what thing about that, but I think um, he has a very good relationship with, with every people in the entire world because he's very loved everywhere uh, because about his personality. The thing is, though, for the fans in Argentina that Sam Lee has spoken with, football comes first and everything else can just wash away after that. I don't think Messi in the Saudi Arabia thing or Messi in anything, you know, to do with money and PSG or whatever, is on the agenda of the vast majority of fans here. I'm sure it's probably the same in, in England, you know, maybe on Twitter. It seems like everybody's really invested in all the issues. In reality, if you were to go to a, a fan event, people just want to watch the football. And I, I think, from what I certainly want to gather here, that is how it is regarding Messi and, and any kind of other issue. Because, you know, he's so good at football, so important to this one big passion they've all got. This one big dream they've got of winning the World Cup. Like everything else is completely secondary. And if it's just earning money, I don't think anybody's got a problem with that really from what I've seen so far. So as Messi most likely graces the world stage for the final time and fans from across the globe get their final chance to bow down before him, 
And this has quite literally happened at matches, by the way. How, regardless of what happens, will he be remembered? There are players that I've spoken to here in Doha, Roque Santa Cruz, the, the Paraguay player. He was like, he's done enough for me to be the best player of all time. It is pretty clear now that people do love Messi for what he did. He won the Copa America. That was a huge moment. And yeah, all I can say for now, because we don't know how it's going to go, is that they're all fully behind him. And they really, really want him to do it. He has to win the World Cup. He's won the Copa America, which is good. But this is the World Cup. This is, his, this is his fifth World Cup. Every time, you know, I was at the 2014 World Cup when he got them to the final. Just couldn't do it. But this time round, I think he can do it. I expect that uh, to be remembered as the captain of the last world champions here in Qatar. I expect it. But if not, I expect to be remembered as uh, a great player, great, great player who leaves all to, to give uh, Argentina a new title. I think he will be remembered um, as a player, as a ha very humble player, but the best in the world. Regardless of what happens at this World Cup, I think his place in, in history is already um, certain. I think people have their minds made up that he is the best of all time. The only question is the comparison with Maradona. The World Cup feels slightly less important than it once did. I don't think it really changes anything. I think Messi will still be regarded, whatever happens, as the greatest. Or certainly, he's in the, he's in that conversation with a very, with with only one other player. For me, it doesn't affect his legacy. If he doesn't win the World Cup, I don't think it matters. I will still see him as the best player I've seen. It's hard to say that there's been any real substantial damage as a result of the relationship that he has with Saudi Arabia. As long as Lionel Messi continues to provide joy to football supporters on the field, that's a huge deflection and, and arguably overshadows a lot of that, rightly or wrongly. To read more on Lionel Messi and other issues surrounding the World Cup, just head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod, where you can find our latest offer. Bye for now. See you tomorrow. The Athletic.